Welcome to Three Funny Ladies. That's Joe Bailey. Um. That's Susan J. Cox. Uh, <laughs> How the hell are you? So great. So great. So great. <laughs> How are yeah. you? Good, 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 good. It's been a while since we've been in this situation. <laughs> in this quandary. <laughs> what have you been up to? Tell us everything. Oh, my God. Nothing. <laughs> Um, went to Arizona, met my brother. How was that? He is exactly like my dad. That's freaky. Which makes no sense, seeing as he never met my dad. His Genetics, dad, man, our dad. I'm telling you. It's fucking crazy. He talks the same. He acts the same. He has the same sense of humor. It's weird. It's fucking weird. We didn't really do anything. We just kind of hung out. That's good, though. Get to know each other. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird how it's weird how there's like kind of nothing to tell because it was just like, I would imagine it would be if you visited a sibling that you've always known. That's cool. And also weird. And I said to his wife, I was like, this is weird how not weird it is. Yeah. Like this doesn't make sense. And I don't know how to reconcile it in my brain hole yeah the hole right inside your brain the hole right inside my brain um i also went to because he has two daughters so i have two nieces i went to my niece's graduation and the whole time i was like i don't feel out of place i don't feel like i shouldn't be here i don't feel like this is weird it was very strange have you talked to them since you've been home just the day I got home, sort of like, hey, I'm home. And then his birthday was Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I wish him a happy birthday. So I haven't really spoken to them since then. Okay. Because he's gone back to work and, and stuff. like You know, life is carried on. Sure, sure. Was he off the week that you were there? Yes. Oh, yes. that's nice. Yeah. Um, I just discovered that I lost my uh, state ID. So I have oh, to no. replace that. How did you do that? I don't, because, you know, you have to show it at the airport, and then I think I was just lazy, and instead of putting it back, I, like, threw it on the ground. and Threw it away. I was just like, you know what? Fuck this. (laughs) Oh, I got to put it in my wallet. No. I would rather go through the trouble of paying for it to be replaced (laughs) in an office. Um, Because you can't replace online. You want to know why? Why? You have to put your state ID ID number in, which is on your state ID, which I don't have. Ah. Do you so see the problem? How does it differ then when you go in? Because when I go from scratch, basically, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's um, always fun going to the DMV. Yeah. So it was, gr- it was great. Like one day we just spent watching bullshit, the game show. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw Top Gun together, Uh-huh. which is a and fabulous movie. Yes. Um, yeah. It was just weird about, it was weird how not weird it was. And you had a better time in Arizona than before? Yes. I didn't Ever? realize there was a nice part of Arizona. That Where, what city? Something I don't know. Sierra Vista. Right. Yeah, I don't know it. Um, and um, apparently my parents lived in the desert. I thought all of Arizona was a desert. Listen, I don't, I don't fucking know. Okay. Um, so my parents chose to live in devil's, the, the devil's armpit. 
My brother does not. So it was like, not, it just felt, it wasn't too hot. It was weird. Like the whole thing was weird and not weird. <laughs> um, so yeah. Well, lovely. I'm glad that it worked out so well. I mean, I feel like I should have more to say, but I just don't. It was just like going to visit a sibling I've known. And you've been talking for some time prior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which probably like, helped. You know, it wasn't like, oh, let's sit and, you know, tell me about dad. He was basically like, he's dead. So I don't really okay. care. I'm here to Carry learn on. about you. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was delightful. It was well, delightful. that's amazing. I'm so yeah. happy to hear that. What did you do while I was gone? Um, not much of anything, really. All right. We started to watch that new Rebel Wilson film called Senior Year. I haven't delved in. Yeah, don't. Okay. We watched about 20 minutes of it and we shut it off. Wow. All right. Shut it was that just shit down, huh? Trying to be funny, which was doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been watching the newest season of Selling Sunset. Okay. And uh, you know, just just the same shit different episode all right i watched um, uh stranger things oh yeah no um so now i'm re-watching it because there's nothing really to watch right now um yeah that's about it did you have you watched are you going to watch housewives of dubai i started to today because there's an episode out and i was like hell yeah and i started to and then i was immediately not interested hmm we haven't started like, it yet. Mm. Like literally two minutes in, I was like, I don't care. Well, so I turned it off. Okay. I did finish the Housewives book that I was listening to. Oh, okay. And how two, was that? It was interesting. Okay. But two quick things that I just wanted to point out that my two big takeaways. Mm-hmm. Number one, for her first season of Real Housewives of New York, Bethany Frankel made a cool seven thousand dollars really yes and number two they film about 80 hours of footage for one 44 minute episode wow isn't that nuts i can't even imagine editing that together i know every week Ugh. here's what i want to know about the confessionals like how do they do them like, they do they show that. them? The, see, that's what I want to know. The only thing that I remember about the confessionals is that now they do them in front of green screens. Um, but I don't remember anything else about when they do them or anything like that. I'm more interested in, because clearly they have them watch the show and then they talk about it. They ask them specific questions, whatever. I'm more, I would be more interested to know how like Big Brother or... RuPaul does their confessionals. Is it at the end? Do they know the outcome? Are they doing it per episode? Hmm. Because for like Big Brother, it looks like it's in the moment. And for a lot of it, it has to be because it's it's live anyway. Right, 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 right. And I I would guess the same for RuPaul because they don't do the final episode until later. Right. So... So that's what I would be interested in. I don't think, I don't know of any sort of 
reference for that sort of thing. Okay. okay. But I have been listening to Leslie Jordan's book now. And how is that? It's really good. He has a really, really lovely story about Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds, which is super sweet. And it's just, you know, I could listen to him talk all day long. So sure, sure, sure. It's Um, fun to listen to it. Ben, you love Star Wars. I do. Not as much as everybody else, apparently. But right, right, right. You you might want to watch Obi Wan. Yeah, I think you might. I think you might like it. Um, baby, Princess Leia is in it. Uh huh. I heard. Is the cutest little nugget. She is princess. She is sarcastic and sassy and smart. I think Miss Fisher would approve. Oh, she's just a little delight. The thing about Star Wars for me now that it's with Disney is I feel like it's becoming Marvelized and there are just too many of them. And I don't, don't know where to keep, oh, how like to keep there's, up. Got it. Keep up. Yeah. In there's defense, this, there's that. In defense of that, I will say that I think maybe Marvel was Star Wars. Star Wars. Star, Star Wars. <laughs> because. Star Wars, you know, it's had fan fiction and then it becomes canon and blah, blah, blah. And we're just seeing it on a larger scale now, I think. Yeah, but it's just easier when it's like nine movies. Sure, 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 sure. That are released sequentially and not, you know, well, you have to watch like The Mandalorian in order to understand A New Hope. But then you also have to then scoot back and watch Obi-Wan before you get into The Last Jedi. I, I feel like, I feel like. As opposed to Marvel, the Star Wars ones, I don't think you have to watch anything to get anything else. I mean, okay. obviously, the the trilogy, the three trilogies, obviously. But when it comes to the shows, I think as, as long as you know the characters, I don't think it, I don't think it matters. Now, for this one, I think you would have to know the prequels and then the, the core three. But that's it. You don't have to know all the other ones. Okay. I think you just have Star Wars. That's where it's different with Star Wars. With Star Wars, you just have to know the characters. With Marvel, you do have to be like, to understand this movie or to get the full experience of this movie, you need to watch 10 other shows and 10 other movies. And I don't, this isn't like that. Okay. So I would, I would say that. Okay. Well, maybe I'll give it a whirl then. And just the little Leia is just so precious tell you something there's nothing more toxic than a star wars fandom because these dude bros now have a fucking problem with a child why because she's a female child and they don't find her hot Mm. so they there's nothing to like for them right so they think she's annoying and stupid and that's not how princess leia would act and Uh, go ahead no i you said a child and i just envisioned a little Yoda child. So it was oh. <laughs> took me a minute to catch up there, but I'm with you. I'm with you. And then the main bad guy is an African-American woman who has the coolest name ever. Her name is Moses Ingram. Yeah. I heard about this and they don't like her. Well, you don't like her cause she's black and she's a woman. <laughs> I don't like her because her character is evil, which means I like her because she's doing a good job, but you know what I mean? I don't yeah, like you, her character. You love to hate her as opposed to just hate All her. Right. So it's like, come on. Like when Ewan McGregor has to get on social media and be like, don't be racist. There's a, there's a problem. There's a problem with you. So yeah, Star Wars fans are 
uh, the worst. Anyway, that's my rant on that. <laughs> um, we have an email. We do. Is this the one from Joelle? It is our, yes, from our dear friend of the podcast, Joelle. Can I just tell you something? Mm-hmm. I just went through all of Matt's emails because I swear to God, at some point he gave us his phone number because I was going to call or text him and ask if he was okay. Oh. And I'm not joking. Did you find it? I did not. Okay. Matt, buddy, what's going on? I just feel like that ship has sailed now. You think he just got bored of, bored of us? Yeah. 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 It's been two months now, so. Maybe he's just moved no, on. one month. A month and some right. change. Well, that, yeah. that's, uh, listen, Matt, or anyone who knows Matt, if you know, if he's moved on, that's fine. Just let us know. Yeah. And, you know, go with God. Go with God. One with Christ. <laughs> All right. Do you want to read it? Do you want me to read it? What's happening? Uh, I got to hear it. Uh, okay. So he says, hey, ladies. Oh, the subject line is, why do you hate ducks? <laughs> hey, ladies. Been catching up with you. And I have to say the battle to see who is the worst of the worst went off well between the two cheers, ladies. Rhea Perlman certainly has them both beat. <laughs> Moving on. Thank you so much for the Roar episode. I'm so glad you went on that journey. The girl who solved her own murder was one of my favorites as well. I found the series so intriguing. Keep up the good work. A side note about ducks. I thought of that episode more of a study on being alone rather than it being about duck dating (laughs) or duck (laughs) fucking. Um, Fucking. But that is what I like about that episode, while the other ones seemed rather obvious. The duck fuck, which I didn't realize he was going to use, uh, was much more open to interpretation. Now, every time someone posts a pic giving duck lips, moving on. <laughs> much love, Joelle. Thank you, Joelle. We love you. If anyone wants to write to us, you can write to us at threefunnyladies at gmail.com. Jess, please do. Please do, don't you? Anything else of relevance? Of relevance. I'm going back to Florida tomorrow. Why? Um, it's the show that I directed there got extended into this weekend. Okay. So I'm just going to pop down for a little surprise. Oh, nice. And just say, hey, I'm here. Hey. Bye. And also, I'm just secretly curious to see if they've changed anything since I've been gone. Sure. So. Sure, sure, sure. Now, you can't be mad. No, I won't be. But okay. yeah, so it's just uh, it's just an overnight trip. So <gasps> you know what I did today? <laughs> what? I highlighted my misery script. Oh my god, I haven't even read it yet. Oh my god, I'm so. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait. My chi- oh, here's a development that probably no one but me cares about. My child has chosen to play the trombone for school band. Yeah, I did that. I went that route. Tell her good you luck. You went the trombone. Sure did. Didn't I, last long. Yeah, I told her that my one caveat, the, the hill that I will die on, the thing that I am passionate on, is that she needs to play an instrument until she graduates from high school. Wow. That is, that is what we're saying. And she's either got to be in theater or choir till she graduates high school. Her level of commitment to those things can, can, you know, be different depending on what her likes are, but she has to be involved till she graduates. It's just the hill I'm going to die on. All right. And you're the parents, so you can do what you want. So she has to fucking do what I say. 
<laughs> the trombone is very awkward to carry and heavy. Oh, God, yes. And really the worst part of it is the little spit valve that you have to open up to like release all the spit. That Cause gets, it's way, d- cause way down. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. way down. And it's also just gross. So <laughs> I'm weird. I played the trumpet and trombone. I liked not the, I liked the smell of the, not the spit valve, but the oil that you had to put on your mm-hmm. slide. I yep. like the smell of that. And you would always smell it whenever you use the spit valve. So that's what I, so I'm weird, but I, she really want her dream instrument. As she says, is the trumpet. And, but she found it. Cause what they do they didn't do this when I was in school, they fitted children for instruments. So the kids told them what instruments they wanted to play. And then they had them play each instrument basically to test them. We did that when I was in school. It's so weird. They didn't do it when I was. If they did, I blocked it out. Maybe. Maybe I blocked it out. So she played the trumpet. She found it difficult. So she played the trombone. She said that it was easier. And then for some reason, it wasn't on her list, but they handed her a clarinet. And she goes, I was very good at it. (laughs) (laughs) And then they gave her a violin. She said, I was very good at violin as well. But it also sounded like I was killing something. So in my head, I'm like, okay, those two things all right whatever um so ultimately she chose trombone 17 kids are gonna play trombone 17 holy shit 20 trumpet players wow 14 clarinet players oh my god only six flute players oh that's weird right i was like all these children are stupid because they're not thinking long term okay you're not thinking about carrying that son of a bitch to and from school. Yeah. You can put a flute in your coat pocket. Yeah. It's lighter than your lunch. Yeah. Like you can stick it in your backpack. Be done. <laughs> and I told her, and I was trying, like, I was trying to like lead, give her all the facts without leading her in a specific direction. I'm like, just so you know, it's heavy and it's long and it's awkward. That's she didn't awkward. care. Uh, she didn't care. Um, I was like, the clarinet's smaller. Sure, you don't want the no? Okay. Um, so that's what she's very excited, but her dream is the trumpet. So her plan is she's gonna play the trombone until she's mastered it, which will give her the confidence to do the trumpet. Well, at least she's got goals. She's got a plan. She's got a plan. So we have she's gonna be in fifth grade. Is that crazy? That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. That makes no sense. So anyway, that's really it for me now, I think. Well, shall we dive in? I have a very long report to give. Let's dive. Let's do it. Um, all right. Well, today we are going to, it is it is Pride. Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride, everyone. And so we're delving into one of the original gay icons, Marilyn Monroe. I guess this question might be kind of weird, but your first memory of Marilyn Monroe? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. When I was in high school... I, well, I, we had gotten a VCR when I was in ninth grade. And so I went on like a old movie kick. So I discovered her around then. And I was like completely in love with her when I was a senior in high school. I had a little pin that I wore on my shirts and stuff like that. I was one of those. That's amazing. Okay. was one of those types. Um, But so my information has come from, of course, Wikipedia. I also watched a four episode series on CNN called Reframed 
Marilyn Monroe. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, from a, an article in Vanity Fair. Um, this documentary series was really interesting. Uh, Ellen Burstyn was on and Mira Sorvino and Amber Tamblin. It was okay. narrated by Jessica Chastain. So her closest friends. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so it was interesting. But uh, so Marilyn Monroe was born Norma Jean Morkinson on June 1st, 1926. Yeah. Nice. So she would have been 96. Wow. No, that's not right. It's math and quick math, and I can't do that. Sure, whatever. I'm going to believe whatever you have to say. She would have been 477. Um, No, yeah, 96. She would have been 96 um, this year. So she was born at the Los Angeles County Hospital, Oddly enough, that is located in Los Angeles. All right. In the state of California. All right. Her mother, Gladys, Gladys. was from a poor Midwestern family who migrated to California at the turn of the century, which was the turn of the last century, not the most recent century. Sure, sure, sure. At the age of 15, Gladys married John Baker, who was an abusive man who was nine years older than she was. They had two children, Robert and Bernice, and Gladys, Marilyn's mother, successfully filed for divorce and sole custody of the children in 1923. But John Baker kidnapped his two children with her and moved with them to his native state of Kentucky. Uh, Wow. Okay. Marilyn was not told that she had a sister or brother until she was 12. And then she finally met her sister Bernice for the first time when she was an adult. I feel you. <laughs> Following the divorce, Gladys, her mother, worked as a film negative cutter at Consolidated Film Industries. And in 1924, she married Martin Mortensen, which is a mouthful. Martin, Martin Mortensen. Martin Mortensen. Yeah. But they separated uh, only some months later and they end, end up getting divorced in 1928. So. Marilyn did not know who her father was her entire life. She had no idea who her father was. It was neither one of these two men. Okay. In 2022, so just this year, DNA testing indicated that her father was a man named Charles Gifford, who worked with Gladys and with whom she had an affair in 1925. That is so crazy. So the rest of the world knows because of DNA testing who her father is and she never knew. No idea. That's so crazy. I know. So her mother Gladys was mentally ill, and Who is it? Okay. she was financially unprepared for a child when she gave birth to Marilyn Who or Norma it? Jean. And so Marilyn's early childhood was stable and happy, but um, Gladys ended up placing her daughter with an evangelical Christian foster parents uh, in a small town of Hawthorne. She lived there for the first six months of her life until she was forced to move back. Until Gladys was forced to move back to the city due to work. She then began visiting her daughter on weekends. And in the summer of 1933, Gladys bought a small house in Hollywood and moved seven-year-old Marilyn in with her. They shared the house with lodgers. uh, And in January 1934, Gladys ended up having a mental breakdown. And she was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Oh, wow. Which at the time was a very shameful diagnosis. For sure. And one you did not talk about. 
So she went to a rest home, which didn't really work out. And she was ultimately committed to a state hospital. And she would spend the rest of her life in and out of hospitals and was very rarely in contact with Marilyn for the rest of her life. Marilyn became a ward of the state and her mother's friend, Grace Goddard, took responsibility over her and her mother's affairs. Over the next few years, Marilyn's living situation changed often, and she finally ended up at the Goddard family home in 1941, and she enrolled in Van Nuys High School. In 1942, the company that employed Doc Goddard, who was the patriarch of the Goddard family, relocated him to West Virginia. So California child protection laws prevented them from taking Marilyn out of state. So she was 16 and she had two choices. She could either return to the foster care system. Oh my God. Or she could get married. Those were her choices. Jesus Christ. So she chose to get married. Oh my God. I can't even imagine. She married the uh, Goddard's neighbor. 21-year-old factory worker, James Doherty. Wow. Yeah. So this was, she was 16. He was 21. This was on June 19th, 1942. Uh, So just after her 16th birthday, like two and a half weeks after. So that's what she did. So then the war broke out. And in April 1944, James Doherty was shipped out to the Pacific. And he would remain there for most of the next two years. So Marilyn moved in with her in-laws and began a job at the Radio Plane Company, which was a munitions factory in Van Nuys. In late 1944, she met photographer David Conover, who had been sent by the U.S. Army Air Force's first motion picture unit to the factory to shoot morale-boosting pictures of female workers. For the gentlemen on the front lines. Although none of her pictures were used, she quit working at the factory in January 1945 and began modeling for Conover. And she also spent a lot of time with him, learning not just how to look good in front of the camera, but also the mechanics of what makes a good picture. Composition, film type, lighting, all of that stuff. Um, So defying her husband, who was away at the war, she moved out on her own and signed a contract with a blue book model agency in August of 1944. And she worked her ass off becoming one of the most ambitious and hardworking models at the agency. She soon scored a screen test at 20th century Fox, but Daryl Zanuck, who was the studio head at the time was not impressed. He never really liked her. He didn't think she was talented. He didn't think she was pretty. But he ended up giving her a six-month contract, mainly so that she would not sign at rival studio RKO. Okay. So, obviously, they didn't think that Norma Jean Doherty was a suitable name for a movie star. So, they chose the name Marilyn, and she chose the name Monroe, which was her mother's maiden name. Oh. Yeah. So, she made very few minor films at Fox, and despite her enormous hustle at the studio at the end of six months, Daryl Zanuck remained unimpressed with her and he cut her loose, did not renew her contract. So she was scooped up at Columbia for another six month contract. But when it was time to renew that one, Harry Cohn, who was the head of Columbia invited her to discuss her contract on his yacht. Hmm. She knew what that meant. Right. 
and she refused. Good for her. And her contract was not renewed. Good for her still. I know. I found out so many interesting things about her during this week. So after she lost her contract at Columbia, she returned to modeling and she ultimately posed nude for a calendar under the name of Mona Monroe. She eventually met a man named Johnny Hyde, who was the vice president at the William Morris Agency. He was taken with her. He signed her. And despite a 30-year age difference, she moved in with him. Oh, God. He got her two very showy roles in two very important pictures at the time, All About Eve and The Asphalt Jungle. And based on these performances, Johnny Hyde was able to get her a seven-year contract back at Fox. Um, real quick, is she still married? No, I'm sorry. No, she is now divorced from her first husband. Sorry, I I did not include that, but thank you for clarifying that. Um, So once he got her this contract at Fox again, he ended up dying just days later, which left her devastated. So as her star began to rise, studio publicists fashioned this story that she had been discovered while she was babysitting for a studio executive And he saw her taking care of his kids and was like, you need to be in pictures. So, of course, this narrative discounted her years of hard work and tenacity, Mm. but played into the times, turning female ambition into something passive. Mm. Just watching the clips from these movies from the 40s and 50s, I'm like, I don't know how you women do it. Like, just the, like... uh patronizing that oh. went on with these women just there for decoration mm-hmm. just there for sex appeal like it's just it's tiresome and it's infuriating yeah so interestingly enough she then authored an article in the motion picture and television magazine called wolves i have known oh. in it She wrote, quote, the first real wolf I encountered should have been ashamed of himself because he was trying to take advantage of a mere kid. He gave me a script to read and told me how to pose while reading it. All the poses had to be reclining, although the words I was reading didn't seem to call for that position. Though she did not name check anyone specifically, her decision to put her name on an article like this was a calculated risk. Sadly, this ahead of her time outspokenness is a forgotten footnote that has been glossed over in favor of salacious tales of her sexual exploits with other stars. In March 1952, she found herself embroiled in another controversy. Rumors had begun to swirl that she was the Mona Monroe, who was photographed Mm. nude for that calendar a few years Mm. prior. Mm -hmm. Now, this was the sort of scandal that was potentially career-ruining at the time. Okay. So the studio decided to float the story that she was young and needed the money. But Marilyn decided to confront the issues head on and admit that it was indeed her in the photos. Oh, wow. She said, I'm not ashamed. I have done nothing wrong. The scandal was eventually forgotten and her star continued to climb. Playwright Bonnie Greer says of Marilyn, people thought Marilyn wasn't acting because she was a great actor, but also because she was playing a stupid, dumb, blonde woman. So it can't be an act because that's how women are, aren't they? Right, 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 right. Right? Yeah, I, me, yes. <laughs> I know, you're just so dumb, I'm so Sus. dumb and blonde. <laughs> uh, no one wants me for my talents, just this body. <laughs> 
can you imagine if that's how you were? <laughs> not, not that scenario, but if that's like how you really talked and stuff. You guys. <laughs> I can I'm start. just a dumb lady. <laughs> I'm just a dumb lady with a vagina. <laughs> Uh, by 1954, she was one of Fox's biggest stars, but her salary remained the same as it was when she signed her contract four years earlier. Oh, shocking. She was due to star in a movie called The Girl in Pink Tights. But when she discovered that her co-star, Frank Sinatra, was making three times her salary, God. she refused to film. And she would not she would not return to work until her salary was increased and her working conditions improved. You don't hear this stuff about her. I know. You just hear how stupid she was. Yeah. Zanuck, who still did not care for her, suspended her. So she left Hollywood. She got married to Joe DiMaggio. Uh, they decided to combine a honeymoon and a business trip to Tokyo because, you know, they love baseball over there mm-hmm. in Japan. Mm-hmm. So while they were there, she received an invitation to travel to Korea to entertain the troops. Okay. Because the Korean War was happening at the time. So she said yes, and she entertained over 60,000 Marines over a four-day period. Wow. She got such acclaim and publicity for her time in Korea that Daryl Zanuck had no choice but to give in to her and meet her demands. Oh, look at that. (laughs) However, Joe DiMaggio did not like sharing his wife with the public. And when her next film required her to stand over a subway grate while gusts of air blew up her skirt, he was livid. Oh, Jesus. Get over it. This was filmed late at night in front of tons of spectators in Manhattan. And director Billy Wilder filmed the scene over and over and over again. And Joe DiMaggio got angrier and angrier. And shortly after that, their marriage was over. Oh, see, that's so dumb. Yeah. Uh, in 1955, Marilyn brokered an appearance for her friend Ella Fitzgerald to play at the Hollywood nightclub, The Macombo. Uh, they didn't want to book her. And while race probably most certainly played a small part in their hesitance to sign her, it was mostly that Ella was fat and unglamorous and they did not want her on their stage. Marilyn told them that if they booked Ella Fitzgerald, she would be in the front row every night and that would be certain to draw the press. And that is what happened. She was a fucking. uh, uh, What the hell? Oh, my God. I know. I know. Uh, That same year, 1955, she ended up breaking her contract with Fox and she moved permanently to New York City. She announced her intention to start her own production company, Marilyn Monroe Productions, with photographer Milton Green. And the press met her announcement with much derision, saying that she should stick to what she knows. A blonde bombshell has no business starting a production company. And hearty har har har, isn't she cute and funny? She immersed herself in the world of the actor studio and started studying very seriously with founder Lee Strasberg. And she also started dating playwright Arthur Miller. All right. right, right, right. <clears throat> On New Year's Eve, 1955, Monroe and Fox signed a new seven year contract uh, as Marilyn Monroe Productions would not be able to finance films alone. And the studio was eager to have Marilyn working with them again. So Fox would pay her $400,000 to make four films. And they gave her the right to choose her own projects. 
choose her own directors and cinematographers, and she would be free to make one film with Marilyn Monroe Productions per each completed film for Fox. Okay. Marilyn began 1956 by announcing her win over at 20th Century Fox, and the press now wrote favorably about her decision to fight the studio. Time magazine called her, quote, a shrewd businesswoman, and Look predicted that the win would be an example of the individual against the herd for years to come. However, in contrast, her relationship with Arthur Miller prompted negative comments, such as Walter Winchell, who stated that America's best-known blonde moving picture star is now the darling of the left-wing intelligentsia, and someone who had been called before the House Un-American Activities Committee for his ties to the Communist Party. But despite the bad press, they were married on June 29th, 1956. Her first film for Marilyn Monroe Productions was The Prince and the Showgirl, which Marilyn had optioned after the stage play premiered in London. She had wanted to star in the film with the star of the play, Laurence Olivier. He signed on. He did not like working with her. Oh. He, he, they did not get along. He wanted her performance to be more like that of his wife, Vivian Lee, who had starred with him in the play. He was condescending to her. He was rude to her. So she started to retaliate by showing up late and becoming uncooperative. Okay. It was also during this time that her dependence on pills escalated. The film was completed on time, but it was only a modest hit. After the filming completed, she took an 18-month hiatus from working, in which time she suffered a miscarriage with Arthur Miller. She returned to Hollywood 18 months later, where she agreed to star in Some Like It Hot with Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis. While the difficult production of this film has become legendary, the film was a huge commercial and critical success. Arthur Miller wrote the screenplay for her last completed film and based Marilyn's character partly on herself. The production did not go smoothly, with Arthur Miller rewriting portions of the script throughout filming, seemingly dumbing down her character and working out problems within their marriage in his oh, script. They separated after filming completed, and Marilyn obtained a Mexican divorce in January 1961. While filming her final picture, Marilyn flew to New York in May of 1962 to sing Happy Birthday to John F. Kennedy, the President of the United States with whom she was probably having an affair. She returned to Hollywood to resume filming on Something's Got to Give, but Fox was also at the same time filming Cleopatra with Elizabeth Taylor, and the costs for that were escalating sky high, so they shut down production on all of their other films except for Cleopatra and Something's Got to Give. Hmm. But when Marilyn returned to Hollywood, she was often sick, she missed a lot of work, and she was eventually fired from the picture and replaced by Lee Remick. However, co-star Dean Martin refused to make the picture with anyone other than Marilyn. Hmm. So Fox shut the picture down. Oh. They eventually reconsidered and hired her back, but it was too late. Uh, shortly thereafter, she would be found dead in her bed on August 4th, 1962, due to an overdose of pills. She was 36 years old. Her death was classified as probable suicide, but has been debated over and over through the years, and no evidence of foul play was ever found. Her funeral was held at the Westwood Village Memorial Park Cemetery on August 8th. 
It was private and attended only by her closest associates. The service was arranged by Joe DiMaggio, her half-sister, Bernice Baker, and her business manager, Inez, Inez Melson. And hundreds of spectators crowded the streets around the cemetery for one final glimpse of me. And that is the story of Marilyn Monroe. Um, thank you. Good night. Um, <laughs> uh, what the hell was it? Good? So what is the conspiracy around her death? People that it had to do with her affair with the president. They think her, maybe she was yeah. killed. Yeah. There are um, rumors that yes, that she was killed by someone in the CIA. Um, because of the Kennedy, because there were rumors that she was not only sleeping with John, but also Robert Kennedy. Okay. And so um, there were just empty pill bottles on her nightstand and just a shit ton of drugs in her system, which is why it was uh, classified as probable suicide. Mm. They uh, There was a friend of hers that's still alive that is interviewed in this CNN series who refutes all of it. She just said that Marilyn, I'm sure, took pills earlier in the evening and forgot she had taken them and took more and just kept on that way until she finally had taken them all and then just died. That's so sad. It really is sad. And it's just like now just the things that we don't know about her and the things that we do know about her and how things have been fashioned and told to us that fit the narrative of this fragile, stupid woman Mm -hmm. when in fact she was not that at all. Right. But like the idea of accidentally taking too many pills, like it just plays into that. Absolutely. And I mean, certainly I'm not, saying that I I don't think that she was that her persona was all an act. No, I no, no, I know. It's just that, that yeah, that perpetuates problems it. And, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like she's so dumb. She didn't know she had taken her pills already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there's really not a lot when it comes to, I mean, you touched on all the interesting stuff. Sorry. No, no, no. Less work for me. Um, <laughs> she was in 30 films. Can you believe that? That's actually kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Um, and really, that's, that's it. She was in her first film in 1947. And Something's Gotta Give in 1962 was left unfinished. Yeah. Have you seen any of that footage from that? that have? I have not. Uh-uh. She plays a mother. It was the first time she was playing a mother. Oh, and okay. It's, it's really sweet. It's really, it's nice footage. Okay. Just makes you think, you know, what could have been. It's yeah. weird, too, just thinking, like, what? It's just weird, like, thinking of her, like, 70 or 80, you know? I, yeah, I'm. I'm wondering if she would be one of those, and I think she would be, one of those crazy old ladies who... Who like still does her hair the same? Yeah, yeah. Because that and, was the thing too in our movies that we watched. Like her hair just always was like yeah. the same way. Yeah. Um. Always did her hair. This didn't. She didn't adjust. Like I picture her, sort of like Elaine Stritch or how I feel like Carol Channing was. Like they they weren't trying to hold on to any 
youth. It wasn't that. It was just they just never changed their ways. I imagine yeah. her being like that. <laughs> like just like this is always how I've done my hair. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> You're like, Marilyn, you look like a, a melting candle. <laughs> yes, but I'm still going to wear this red lipstick, even though it's highly inappropriate. Um, that's how I expect her to be. Yeah, I wonder if because she would have been 80 in 2006. Like, I wonder if she would have gotten plastic surgery. I imagine she mm. probably would have. But I mean, who knows? Who knows? But just God to die at 36. 36. That's so crazy. Young. Yeah. Um. Now, here's a question that I thought of when we first started speaking. What makes a gay icon? Well, that's an interesting question. And I don't really know. I don't really know that there is an answer, but I feel like there are two camps, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, I feel like the gay men love either a very damaged woman. Okay. Or a very strong woman. Okay. Like Marilyn, Judy Garland, Liza to an extent fall into the damaged category where we can identify with them. And identify with their frailties um, and sort of being taken advantage of by the by the man, if you will. Mm-hmm. But then I also feel like we admire the strong, like the Joan Crawfords, if you're going to go way back, you know, Betty Davis, Lady Gaga nowadays. Me. Um, you, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you are a strong gay icon. <laughs> so that's my take on it. I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, that listen, that's all I have for for her career. Really, uh, her story is her is her as a person. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Was really, I really enjoyed doing the research this yeah. week. Yeah. So, what movie did you have us watch? I chose How to Marry a Millionaire. How to Marry a Millionaire. And I think you liked it well enough. I liked it well enough. Uh, it's saving grace was it was in color. <laughs> I'm really strange. I just, I have to have color. Black and white movies, Westerns that are just all brown, like a brown taupe palette. Yeah. I just, I can't, it doesn't grab me. It doesn't, it, it needs to grab me. It's so interesting because the movie you chose is in black and white. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, didn't know that. Uh, and actually, honestly, I assumed they were all going to be in black and white. Ah. So when I started playing yours, I was like, oh, this is a car. Okay. Um, the wonderful Lauren Bacall is in it. And you know, the oh. only thing I could think of was High Point Coffee. Oh. <laughs> I was like, God, I want coffee. Why do I want coffee? <laughs> Oh, yes. Lauren Bacall. My I God. adore Lauren Bacall. So fucking good. So How to Marry a Millionaire opened November 20th, 1953. Directed by Gene Negulesco. Never heard of this person. Sure. In brief, uh, it is the story of three gals on the town in New York City who hatch this scheme to rent out, to sublet a high-rise luxury penthouse um, and go on the hunt for millionaires to snag a rich man and marry him, which can only be helped by them having this swanky address. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love this movie. I just love it. I think she is so funny in this movie. She plays Pola, uh, who wears glasses, but mm-hmm. will not wear them around men. Mm-hmm. And so sh- there's some physical comedy that she does. Uh, she's constantly running into walls, tripping. Um, when they were doing that weird fashion show, which we'll get to, because that was weird. <laughs> and she ran into, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I loved good. when they were at the restaurant and she was following the guy and then the waiter walked by and she started following him instead. <laughs> Yeah, I just adore. I think she's so funny in this movie. Um, and then Betty Grable is the third. I don't really know Betty Grable that well. I think this is probably the only Betty Grable movie that I've ever seen. Um, I was looking up, looking her up today, though. It's interesting. She stopped making movies in like 1958. Oh, okay. And she didn't die until like 83 or something like this. So I'm very, very intrigued by her life story. But yeah, it's it's a silly romp. It is. Um, it was the second film ever released in CinemaScope. Oh, uh, which was a widescreen format that Fox hoped would draw audiences back to theaters, just as television was beginning to cause losses in the f- film, the movie theaters. Um, despite mixed reviews, this was her biggest box office success at that point in her career. Okay. Uh, it was adapted from two stage plays that they put together into one screenplay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, it was one of the first films to have its score recorded in stereo, which is the only reason that I can think of to justify that opening. Eight minutes. Of just an orchestra playing. Just an orchestra playing. Music. Just an orchestra playing. Eight minutes. And- and Eight then minutes. You get that song after that over the credits that goes on for a few more minutes. It's I, 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 I was like, what what's happening? Why is this happening? Why are we here? Yeah, what have I done? I was wondering the same exact thing. And then when I read this, I'm like, oh, well, that probably makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Just to show off a little bit. But that was long. It was eight minutes. Nothing yeah, is good for eight minutes. No. Not especially when you're just sitting watching a, a right. movie of an orchestra. Right. Um, the it became a sitcom in 1953, oh. starring Barbara Eden. Interesting. Which ran for two seasons, and this will be a nice segue back. It was nominated for an Oscar for best costume design. Oh, nice. Okay. So, and I did. I love the costumes, but holy crap! All right, yeah. The cuckoo modeling fashion show. First of all, okay. My another problem I have with old movies is they're so it's 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 what I admire about them and what confuses me. It's like nothing happens, nothing happens, right? And it's all so important though. Does that make sense? It does. Yes. Having this movie freshly in my mind. Yes. That makes total sense. It's like, what, what I, I don't understand why we're here. So I didn't even know, like you find yourself going, who is this guy? And <laughs> why am I watching him? How? Furthermore, how did the three of them get the same modeling job? <laughs> Thirdly, is this how people shopped? Who is he shopping for? I didn't feel like that was ever clarified. Well, that was thing that that is how people shopped. The rich people. They just had, um, they just had a fashion show, and then they went and sat on literal purchase. 
And then he was like, I don't like any of them. Good day. Right. And they're like, well, are you sure? Yes. Good day. <laughs> like, well, this was a waste of time. Right. <laughs> like he just didn't waste 20 women's time. Like they didn't have something better to do. Can't you just walk through the sales floor and look like, at mannequins? This is what I'm saying. I was like, wow. Wow. What is, I don't understand what's happening. And right. And they're all there. And it wasn't a listen. If this was like Project Runway or something, I'd have some questions. It wasn't a cohesive collection. No, no, yeah, it was. It total was just hot random punch. pieces, just random pieces. Um. So, but but when she ran into her little perch, oh my god, it was sick, and I knew it was going to happen, <laughs> and I still was like, oh, that's so funny. Um. Also culturally inappropriate. Several of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say this. They made smoking look so glamorous. Oh, I know. And I loved when Lauren Bacall would smoke, but she would have her arms crossed, but the cigarette was like here. I was like, oh, yeah. God. She got that tiny little waist. Also, it was so weird when she was talking to her elder boyfriend and he was like, how old are you? And she's like 40. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And he's like, more like 25. And I'm like, oh, God, she probably was. It's so weird to think of her looking like that being 25 years old. Right. Because she just looks more like 40. Well, let's look it up because that because now I need to know. Um, so yeah, they make and the way they do the way they smoke, it's like their hand is very like they don't have a death grip, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, and it's very, not like a fever, yeah. it's like <laughs> I'm too, right. I, they don't need that nicotine, that's an accessory, baby. Absolutely, this is an accessory, and it's just <laughs> oh god, I loved it. Um, I didn't understand their scam. I mean, I guess so, but it was like, well, we're going to appear rich to get a rich man. But is that really what it is? That was, I think, yes, that's what it was. But here's the the flaw in the system. Then don't invite men up to your apartment when you've been selling the furniture off. That was the other thing. They sell the furniture because and then the furniture's back. So so (laughs) they're selling it. They get a little bit of money. They buy the furniture back. They have to sell it again. They buy it back. They have to sell. So, so they're not getting, please be clear. They're not buying new furniture. They're buying the furniture that they sold. Yes. Yes. Very strange. It seems redundant, really. Yes. And then I love how when uh, Betty Grable goes to, she goes to the mountains or wherever, and the doctor diagnoses her over the phone. Yeah, with measles. <laughs> oh, that's measles. Oh, okay. Oh, she has a fever? <laughs> Are her eyes watering? Oh, it's measles. This is what? And I'm like, don't measles have like spots or something? <laughs> oh, oh, she's feverish. Oh, her knee hurts. Clearly measles. I was like, oh, she broke her leg. <laughs> like, I don't know. Make sure. <laughs> just come over and look at her. Could you just um? Could you just come over? I, I don't know. It, it seems it seems like this is probably something you want to see. Although, this is something I did take away from this movie, and I'm going to I'm going to try very hard to fold this into my everyday vernacular. Are you on the level? Are you on the level? Are you on the level? What is this? Is this some, some joke? I need to know if you like. They would start conversation like someone would walk in the door and Lauren would call. Are you on the level, ma'am? What are you talking about? 
Why are you? That's the other thing old movies do. They like start in the middle of conversations. <laughs> Did I miss something? No, because nothing's happening. But they make it seem like everything has the highest stakes in the world. Also, her two friends just go off and leave her. Yeah, she has no idea where they going. are. They have no idea. No idea. They didn't yep. check into their Facebook. <laughs> and then like the first one comes back. Oh, I'm married. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. We had a whole like scam. Did you even follow the rules? <laughs> no, neither one of them. And you left me high and dry to have to resell the furniture again so I could pay the rent. Do you know how many times I've sold this furniture? <laughs> and bought it back and sold and it and bought it back. back. <laughs> These people are getting annoyed because it's the same people buying it. It's not different people buying it. It's the same people. And, like, well, like who's buying this furniture that they still have it laying around and then they sell it back? Is it like, like, right. and so like, so like you sell the furniture, you want it back. Is it like, cause I would just go, no, I'm, I'm using it. Yeah. Like where's the money for these people that are buying it? Like they can't just be shelling out money to and fro and like putting furniture in storage, you know, right. that doesn't make sense. I, I, right. And also, you don't need the piano. Stop buying back the piano. Well, I mean, technically, it wasn't theirs. That was the other thing. They sold, <laughs> none of the shit was theirs. They kept yeah. selling it. And they, yeah. So, really, the first time that they sold that was really the biggest sin, I think. Correct. Because it was not theirs. This was an apartment that was furnished. Oh, I love that too. I'd love to have the power to do that. I'll just, uh, oh. I live here now. When would you like this yeah. to start now? Um, how about now? Good is there day. Any problem with that? And then she goes over and immediately starts using the phone. Like everything is just right there. Good to go. Right. Like, I'm sorry. Stop. But yeah. Like, oh yeah, no, I, I live here now. So everything is up to snuff, <laughs> up to code. Uh, look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. I'm on the level. Are you on the level? I'm on the level. <laughs> I did love too when they called Betty Grable the first time and they're like, do you have any money? Well, I have a quarter. Well, good. Stop and get us some lunch. And I was like, what the fuck is she going to buy for a quarter? And then she comes in with like six bags of groceries. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> is she going to buy with a quarter? I got us another apartment, everyone. But we're going to have to sell all of that furniture. I've priced it. And the to food. <laughs> I've priced it to sell. It's all 10 cents. Like, what? It was. Oh, I need to look up Warren McCall. Um, go ahead. I also loved when they were at that restaurant and Marilyn was on the date with the one eyed man and they all meet up in the bathroom and she says, have you seen the guy I'm with? And they're like, yeah. She's like, what does he look like? <laughs> 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 so just so adorable and of course she looks adorable in glasses oh my god so fucking cute those glasses were so cute on her i have to find out how old she was because if she was truly 25 there's a problem because she did look 40 but i don't i have a i don't know how to age people i i'm very bad at that yeah and just i feel like everyone back then just always looked older than they were well i can say even in the 80s Everyone looked older. I looked older in the 80s than I do now. I swear to God. Um, God, Lauren Bacall was hot. Jesus Christ. Yeah. She was born in 1924. So she was 30. She was almost 30, 30, not quite 30. That's crazy to me. Probably 20. That's 28 when they made that movie. Isn't that insane? So crazy. 28. So fucking young. So young, and but she was such a, a you can't none of you can see what I'm doing. Uh, 
she was just, my God. I also liked when she was talking to the older guy and she was telling him how much she loved older men. And she was like, that guy that's an African queen, I'm crazy for him. Which was, of course, her husband, Humphrey Bogart. That's cute. Yeah. So, yeah, I liked it. It was cute. It was just (laughs) nothing, nothing happening. Not a goddamn thing happening. And everything is of the utmost importance. And they just, I love the way the other two ladies just disappear for months. Yeah. <laughs> and well, it's I guess like, I'm oh, on you're my back. Own now. Well, that was it. You disappear for months and you both just show up to this place. Like, why did they go to that place? Because they both just show up. It's not for her wedding. They're both just there. Don't pull and up threads. And it happens to be her wedding. <laughs> That's, yeah. I, I don't, ugh, it's so weird. Anyway. Don't look for logic. Uh, yeah, I, I guess not. Five stars. What would you give it? Do I have to put it in its own little bubble? I'm going to give it a four. Oh, wow. I'm going to okay. give it a four. And the, with the caveat that I'm not putting up against movies that I would actually watch. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm putting it in its own bubble because if I didn't, it would be a one because I just oh. don't like older movies. Right. 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 But it was engaging. They were all engaging. It was cute. I loved how they all fainted at the end because the one guy ended up being rich. Oh, my God. Also, that hamburger joint that she goes to, Lauren McCall, the first time with that guy. And they just give them, like, bowls of coleslaw and pickles <laughs> to, like, put right. on their burgers. I was like, what's in those bowls? And he's like, coleslaw? Pickle? And, like, oh, that, was, oh, that was the other thing. Coleslaw. And then she puts on a burger. I'm like, ma'am, what are you? what's happening here? That is she a did side it. dish. But I was like, I bet that would be good. It wouldn't taste any different, but it's just weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because you could take I a bite of burger, then to take a type. A, a, oh my God. A, <laughs> a bite. Oh my God. I couldn't remember the word. Oh my God. And it would taste the same as putting it directly on the burger, but for some reason, putting it directly on the burger was very strange to me. No, for sure. But then I was like, hmm, interesting. But I don't like coleslaw either, so oh, I would I, I would never. Like some of it, but. Yeah, I would never. I would also give this four stars. Nice. So, um, and I'm glad that to, we watched, we just sort of got the gamut of her uh, abilities. Right. So I had never seen your film. Um, so take it away. It's called Don't Bother to Knock. And uh, let me get some facts. And sticks. Don't Bother to Knock is a 1952 American psychological film noir thriller. They're tossing around the word thriller a little. Yeah. It's a 1952 it's not, thriller. It's correct. It's not. And psychological as well. They're just throwing around words. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Monroe is featured as a disturbed babysitter watching a child uh, at the same New York hotel where a pilot played by Widmark um, is staying. Her strange behavior makes him increasingly aware that she's the last person with whom the parents should have entrusted their daughter. So basically, <clears throat> And you don't find this out until later. She has been released from a psychiatric hospital because she had a pilot husband who was killed. And after he was killed, she tried to take her own life. So, of course, they put her in a mental hospital because that's what she did. Sure, sure. She goes to this hotel where her uncle works as an elevator operator. And it just so happens that these people in the hotel need a babysitter that night. So here's a job, stranger. 
<laughs> that we've never seen. Nah, here you go. I'm so, uh, so weird. Um, and then she, so she's trying on the, the lingerie and the jewelry and stuff of the mother. And this dude sees her from the room across the, like the, you know, how hotels are. They've got. <laughs> like there's a courtyard or something between. Yes, the yes, yes. There's a courtyard. And so he's in the, and so he can see her. And because of this, they get together because that's how you did things in the fifties. I wrote who needs dating apps when you can just yeah. look through the window of a hotel. And figure out what room they're in and blindly yes, call them. Yes, he, he goes to the fire escape thing map, not fire escape, the fire escape, like you're escaping, <laughs> like you're getting out. And is like, oh, okay, based on this trajectory, here's her phone number. And he calls and it works and she answers and she's like, yes, come over, stranger, because this is normal and everyone does <laughs> this. This is how we do it. <laughs> this is how we do it here. Um, my notes are, why is everyone slightly creepy in this? This was they before are. I understood what creepy yeah i didn't understand the whole story with Anne bancroft either like there was just a lot of it that was weird to me i thought it was a weird weird yeah so the guy comes over then it's revealed that she's looney tunes loonsy tunesies um so now he's turned off right as you should be as you should be (laughs) to anyone with mental illness (laughs) none of us would have a significant other not one of us not one person i know not one person i know (laughs) and then my next note is oh she cray (laughs) because you don't know at first you're just like this is weird she's soft-spoken yep yep this is, you know, this is weird that she just shows up and is now a babysitter. But you're like, okay, it's a black and white movie from 1952. They're all strange. Nothing happens, but everything's so important. Um, and then you realize, oh, okay, she she has some she has some problems. Let me tell you what my problem is, and um, what I really should be worried about is when they showed the scars on her wrists. What what did you have any thoughts about the scars on her wrists? Because I had immediate thoughts well what were your thoughts i was surprised my th- but <laughs> my thoughts were oh she went the wrong way no wonder she didn't die <laughs> i was surprised they showed them i'm like oh this is i'm surprised it's in the 50s and they're showing this it was probably very like avant-garde shocking, shocking. very psychologically thrilling yeah that's why it's a psychological <laughs> thriller looks somebody tried to take their own life Ooh, ah, ah. um yeah that was my first thought so there's something clearly fucking wrong with me because i went oh honey no you go lengthwise you don't go horizontal um did you know that you go lengthwise yeah across is for attention lengthwise is for business 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 down the front it's like a mullet attention across um Um, let's laugh about this ha 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 if you don't laugh you'll cry that's true i think my favorite part was at the beginning when ann bancroft was sitting at the bar and just out of nowhere, there's a spotlight on her and she's got a microphone in her hand and that bitch is singing because she is the entertainment. She's just talking to the bartender. <laughs> They're pals. I'm having a shitty day. It's 1952. Nothing's in color. And I have to rely on a man for anything I want. What are we going to do about this? And then it was and literally it was like, oh, I didn't see you there. 
swings around with a mic and starts I was like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? Also, what was she wearing? Was I it don't, like a honky tonk place? I I don't I don't know. But yeah, she was sitting like, oh Murray, give me another gin and tonic. I can't even strangers in the night. I, one, uh, <laughs> that is not an exaggeration. That's literally how it was. Oh, this drink is so good. <laughs> what? And then everyone's like, oh yeah, she's the entertainment's here. That's great. Like, what? I don't get it. <laughs> It's funny because, like, I know the last movie that we talked about was cobbled together out of two different plays, but this to me felt like it was like just jerry rigged together. Like, I just felt like there were like four different stories going on. Yes, one thing didn't have to do with another. No, and it was, it's only an hour and 15, 15 minutes long. But so- I was like, so. He's at the in her room. Now he's back downstairs with now he's back downstairs. Now he's back in her room. Now the uncle is there. Now she tries to kill the uncle. The old now, neighbors show up. The old the, that fucking bitch. It, listen, I wasn't rooting for Marilyn Monroe. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't. Let's let's be clear. But any nosy person who tries to get I don't, I don't like you, ma'am. Mind your own business. Which I, she shouldn't have. She did the right thing because the child was tied up in the bedroom. Yeah, she tied her up in the Bedroom. Almost thrown off a balcony. I mean, <laughs> uh, tries to kill her uncle. She thinks that this guy is her dead husband who's come back for her. And but he keeps leaving to go be with Anne Bancroft. Why he keeps coming back, I, I don't know. Long story short, too late. Um, the nosy neighbor saves the day. So they figure out what's happening. They find the little girl tied up and then they can't find Marilyn Monroe. She leaves. She's like, oh, I'm out of here. I got to get out of here. She leaves. And then the guy comes back. He's like, hey, 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 buddy, don't, don't go anywhere. You're, you're safe with us. And then it's like, this is my gal. This is my girl. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Was she your girl when you just randomly called a hotel room and was like, hey, you're hot. Can I fucking come over and let's see where this goes? Now suddenly she's your fucking girl. White men truly can do whatever they want whenever they want. Except jump. (laughs) So, yeah, this was weird. It was a really weird movie, but I thought she was really good. She was. And it's interesting and crazy to me. I didn't even realize until you said it that this came out just one year before How to Marry a Millionaire. Right? It's crazy. It's just, it's very strange. And just the, all the dynamics. The, and they had this bit with a dog where the, a dog wouldn't get out of an elevator. Yeah. Or get in an elevator. That, that yeah, was weird. Yeah, that was weird. And and the uncle. The, and then. And then. <laughs> The second elevator operator was asking her quite when she's going on the land, but he was asking her questions like, again, you can't see what I'm doing. It's not a visual medium, but he was, it was as though he was very suspicious. It was like, someone's like, this is a psychological thriller. And he's like, I got you. Say no more. Accordingly. Say less. So he's asking her questions without looking at her, like with this smoldering, like I am of secrets he didn't i thought that was gonna go somewhere it it didn't he was just an elevator operator asking her how her day was but it was very creepily delivered it was very strange yeah and then the biggest takeaway was when he was like this is my girl i'm like no wonder the bitch is crazy (laughs) all of a sudden suddenly you have a girl okay great (laughs) what would be your rating of this 
I think because it's short and because she's so good in it, I would give it three stars. I'm going to go ahead and give it the one. It fell into all the, yeah, it fell into all, all right. the stereotypes of why I don't like older movies. It was black and white. It was nonsensical. It was 20 different people that had nothing to do with each other. It was, it was weird. I think if it had been like 45 minutes longer, I would have really hated it. Yeah. But because it was so short, it was like in and out. And I thought she was just really interesting to watch. And she was for sure. Especially, you know, it's, it was very different for her, but yeah, it was just so weird. It was just so rank. Yeah. But yes, definitely weird movie. It was weird. It was soups, weird soups, weird soups, soups. Yeah, that's our blockbuster first episode of Pride episode. (laughs) Our first episode of Pride Pride episode. episode. So next week, we're back with a wee pod. We sure are. And what are we doing? Well, uh, why don't we do the second season of Hacks? Oh, okay. Because I do believe it's out. It is. So let's go ahead and do that. All right. You got it, dude. Awesome. You got it, dude. All right. Well, happy Pride, everyone. Happy Pride. Go do it in the streets. No one can do stop it in you. The this is this your time. Your month to do it and not get arrested. But come July 1st. I don't want to see that shit anymore. You button that shit up. <laughs> you, but, you button those pants. <laughs> you take it inside. I don't want to see mesh tops. I don't want to see boas. I don't want to see any of that shit. Okay. Um, like he said before, write us at the three funny ladies at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, three funny ladies podcast. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next week. Sure will. Again. Bye. Bye.